podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back. And it's it's been a while, and that's a good thing. Uh, we got a little football talk because I believe... Now, I, I think there might be a spot for one more guy, but I believe the roster for spring ball is basically all there. By my count, we... Have 84 of 85 uh, scholarship positions filled. The transfer portal has closed until the spring. Now that is exiting. Uh, Anyone who is still in the portal can still commit. Uh, You can still grab JUCO guys who would, uh, if if they're full qualifiers out of high school, could be in for spring ball. But for the most part, I believe the roster is set. And due to a, you know, it wasn't a massive portal, you know, intake. But I I think based on who we brought in and based on some of the surprise guys who are going to stick around for their, uh, whether it be true senior season, whether it be super senior season, and, uh, you know, not go pro, all that type of stuff. I, I mean, I, I did not think that there was a chance I could feel uh, higher on the K State roster on January twenty second than I thought I was going to. Uh, you know, after that K State, after the season ended, but they've done everything that we could have wanted and more. Before we get into it. You know them, you love them. They've been rocking with us, I think, longer than any sponsor ever has. And boy, am I glad because I think this is the best relationship uh, we've ever had on the podcast. You know, I know we had fun with some of the ad reads for some of the stuff early on, but being partnered with and having them sponsor, having them present our show, uh, coming up, you know, it'll be. A year in August, so we're coming up on it. Hopefully, uh, it, it is Manhattan Brewing Company. I absolutely love them. I'm not kidding with you guys. They have some of the best beer in the world, and it doesn't matter what type of beer you like. If you like IPAs, if you like stuff a little bit lighter, if you like stuff on the malty side, or if you like dark beers, and stay tuned. If you like dark beers, I have something to tell you about. But they are the best. Always, or not, I, I guess I don't want to say always, but every time I've been in there, over double digit beers on tap, an entire fridge filled with four packs to go, and they'll do up a crowler for you as well. They also have a bar where they have signature cocktails as the place to be. They also have a great IPA. No quit IPA, which is brewed for their dear friend and a dear friend of Lots of listeners, Brady Smith, 
He passed away uh, after his battle with cancer three years ago. A portion of the proceeds from every beer brewed will go to a wrestling scholarship in his name. Uh, absolute legend that is Brady. Uh, a lot of folks on the GoEma community uh, got to know Brady. Uh, not only that, but I also got to live next door to him my senior year at K-State. Uh, one of the best people I've ever had the pleasure of getting to know. And then, like I mentioned, if you're into the Dark Beers Friday before that matchup with Florida in the Octagon of Doom, Don't Fear the Dark, a festival celebrating dark beers. They have four special beers that will be released just for that day because they're super rare. A peanut butter marshmallow stout, a raspberry cocoa nib stout, a vanilla cinnamon stout, and one secret beer as well. So if you get the chance, get into Manhattan Brewing Company on Friday, get a couple four-packs of the No Quit IPA, and check out all the dark beers for their special event. All right, let's get into it. Talk about special event. I feel like almost every year in the Chris Kleiman era, I kind of sit there and say, you know, this could be a fun year, but the following year you're going to maybe have a step back. or Oh, it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding year. Now, I'm not going to try to put the expectations of saying, hey, we have to repeat and we have to have 10 wins again. I'm not going to put that uh, out there because, again, uh, the Big 12 is a crazy tough conference. Uh, we have to travel to Columbia, Missouri uh, in the non-conference. Although, you know, I, I, I'm going to try my best to help facilitate as many K-State fans in Columbia, Missouri as possible. Uh, but then you have the Troy Trojans coming to town. You know, uh, last year we had Tulane who ended up, you know, winning the Cotton Bowl, uh, beating USC. Just uh, absolute crazy season which then kind of resulted in me being trolled pretty hard uh, because I pointed out uh, that, you know, (laughs) I I had to point out that Willie Fritz had a losing record at Tulane, and he still does, by the way. But I pointed that out to a few folks who were really big Willie Fritz fans. So I I I continued to get trolled about those comments, even though they're true, and still even after that season, still true. Uh, all season long, but we have the Troy Trojans who ended up in the top 20 uh, this past year, winning the Sun Belt, uh, being a top 10 team. And again, if if Tulane would have tripped up in the uh, American Conference uh, championship game, there's a chance it could have been Troy playing USC in the Cotton Bowl. So, uh, folks, it's not going to be easy. We don't know our Big 12 schedule yet. Whenever we get the Big 12 schedule, I don't know if I'm going to do a immediate release uh, episode, a special event episode, or if I'll just save it for one of the Tuesday episodes. Uh, But we don't even know what the Big 12 schedule looks like. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, got to get to 11 wins or anything like that. But the fact that uh, losing Deuce Vaughn, the fact that you're losing Malik Knowles, the fact that you're losing... Julius Brents, Echo Boydo, uh, two of your three starting safety. The fact that you're losing so much, and I'm sitting here saying, look, there's no reason why we can't have another top 25 type season. 
is a testament to not only some great portal pickups, but some absolutely massive, massive additions uh, of guys. And I, I guess it's not additions, but guys choosing to play one more year for K-State. I feel like we've at least touched on this, um, whether it be on live shows or at least said it in reference. But the first thing I want to talk about is the offensive line all coming back. Now, Cooper Beebe, I believe, was going to be between a second and third round draft pick. And he decided to come back. And then along with that, you have Christian Duffy. You have uh, Hayden Gillum all deciding to come back for their super super senior season, excuse me, as long as KT Lev. You have all of those guys coming back. You have Panzer having another year under his belt. You do have Taylor Poitier coming back from injury. And then again, the group that we have felt the most bullish on recruiting, the offensive line, you're having a whole nother year of development for those offensive linemen. Now, I think the numbers would tell you, the numbers would show that... The offensive line probably didn't play as well as we all think that they did. Or uh, I, I think a lot of us, because everyone loves Connor Riley, I think we all, and, and, I, and, I, and it's not just Connor Riley, I think we all really like the personalities of a lot of these offensive linemen. But I think outside of Cooper Beebe, I think all four of those guys probably were a little overrated by K-State fans. Now that's not to say that they were a bad offensive line because that is not true at all. This this is not a bad offensive line. But I think they were closer to being average than they were to being a good offensive line. Now, why I say all this stuff, yet I'm still so excited that we're bringing all five guys back. You're getting Taylor Portier back and then you continue to have guys like Andrew Linegang uh, develop. Why am I so excited about that? Because again, I do believe in Connor Riley, and, and and I'm not the only one. I think all of us love Connor Riley, and I, and I do think that we have seen individuals continue to get better every single year under Connor Riley. I think there's no chance that the offensive line is worse. That's not going to happen. And then when you're getting these five guys back, and for a lot of them. This is going to be the third year where they play together. Again, Cooper, KT, uh, and and then Duffy, these guys have played a lot, a lot of football together. A lot of football together. And I think with those three guys getting like their third year, getting a lot of reps together, and the entire offensive line getting a second full year together, and when you have Taylor Portier coming back, when you have another year of development with Andrew Linegang, again, you're having seven guys that you feel super comfortable playing with out there. Again, we got to the point last season where we were seeing new formations just to make sure Andrew Linegang could get out on the field. That's how good it was. We were playing with six offensive linemen, a handful of snaps every single game in the back end of the season because they wanted to get Andrew Linegang out there. If you can get to a point where you, we know 
as long as injuries don't happen, and again, that is like saying, you know, as long as the sun doesn't rise, because playing offensive line, uh, it is it is running yourself into a brick wall every single play. Injuries are going to happen. But if you can stay healthy, you are coming into spring ball knowing you have seven guys that you'd feel comfortable starting with against anyone who is going to be on your schedule. And with the continued development of some of those guys behind those seven, my guess is you're going to get to a point where we finally, for the first time, you know, in the Chris Kleiman, Connor Riley era, get to the point where you have nine, ten guys that you feel comfortable with. That is something that Connor Riley has said during spring and summer media availability uh, every I mean, every single time he's ever spoke to the media uh, before the season starts, and even in the non-conference uh, or non yeah non-conference season, which I think maybe you get him like once or twice, um, he he always says, "Hey, I want to get to nine. I want to get to 10. This is going to be the first time, the first season where I think we legitimately will get there, and that is so exciting. The next one. And this is where things get a little unexpected. Philip Brooks coming back was a surprise to me. I had been hearing all season long that, hey, no, he's going to move on. I think this is going to be something that uh, he, he's ready to try to start his professional career. But he is coming back, and that really does give you a situation where you have two proven guys at the Power 5 level between him and Keegan Johnson, the transfer from Iowa, and I'll touch on him a little here in a little bit, uh, where you have proven Power 5 production. Now, you have Seth Porter coming back. You have R.J. Garcia, who has only really made one massive play uh, in his career, but man, was it a big one with that touchdown in the Big 12 championship game, and he's had the hype all around him. And this was also a year where you had a lot of wide receivers uh, that have some hype behind them. Trey Spivey, Andre Davis, uh, both of them right on the razor's edge of being a four-star commit. I don't know if Trey Spivey made it up for spring ball, but I know Andre Davis is. Uh, So again, you you have one open competition uh, wide receiver spot. You have two proven guys, and then again, you have some young guys that are starting to get love from the coaches. You have some borderline blue chip guys uh, coming in in this recruiting class that are going to be there for the spring. Now, I, you know, I I've been vocal. I've been one who is saying, hey, I don't I don't see Sterling Lockett ever uh, participating in games and snaps that count. Well, the the guy was traveling basically every road game beyond the halfway point in the season. So he's impressing some folks who matter way more than me. So that offensive line is starting to come together. Obviously, uh, quarterback Will Howard is the guy. It it is going to be, you know, uh, I don't know. There's all these different nicknames. I'm not going to – he's just Will Howard. He is QB1. Everyone is excited for – Avery Johnson, everyone is excited to see what he might be able to do, but in su- Will Howard was doing some things in a couple games that K-State fans have never seen. So you're getting him back, 
next year. You have the young guy right behind him. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Then when you get to running back again, there there were no departures. There were no uh, nothing crazy. And again, we'll, we'll talk about the transfer portal here in a bit. But you have a guy who, in, in DJ Giddens, who ended up having, I mean, I think close to 600 yards from scrimmage and like five touchdowns. I mean, the, the guy is going to be an all-conference running back before his time at K-State is done. And then you brought in a great running uh, back, a great running mate with him while you get ready for Joe Jackson, who is going to be a true freshman as well. Going over to defense, again, you lose your top two nose tackles. You lose Felix Anudike Uzama. But there were whispers, and, and I don't... I, don't know if it's finalized, uh, but there are whispers about maybe Khalid Duke choosing, hey, maybe I'm, I'm just going to try my hand at going to the NFL and just call calling college done. But Khalid Duke is going to come back, so I, th- I think you're going to see him back on the edge. Uh, we saw Brandon Mott flash at times. Hopefully, Nate Matlack, who it sounds like was not uh, healthy all season. So hopefully we can get healthy Nate because... Again, at times we saw him flash uh, during his freshman season, his sophomore season. Very disappointing. But hopefully being able to stay relatively more healthy because in football health is all relative. Uh, We see him take that step up. Like I said, we'll talk about the transfers here in a little bit. You're going to have your young DB set up, but you're going to have Kobe Savage who's going to come back and marshal that defense after his injury uh, and, and and I'm super looking forward to seeing Kobe Savage back on the field. Linebacker, and here's the here's the one. This is the surprising one, and this could be the biggest difference uh, of any addition, anyone who's coming back, anything revolving the 2023 K State football team. And that's Daniel Green deciding to come back. We've mentioned on the show, he actually still could come back. He could still have his COVID season. I know everyone is like thinking, oh man, Daniel Green, because he went to a semester of prep school before coming in at semester. Then he redshirted and then he played, uh, you know, his four years and it's like, all right, you know, it's time to go. No, we are getting Daniel Green for his super senior season in I think he has to be a contender for preseason Big 12 Player of the Year. He will not win it. No, he he won't win it, um, and that's fine. And that's because of his relative lackluster season this season. And, And again, that's relative. That's on the Daniel Green scale because of how well he played in 2021. But... He said it in his message. We were saying it all season. The guy has been banged up. The guy played through so much. And we're going to get him for one final season. And I think that could be the biggest difference maker uh, on this defense. Not taking as big of a step back as we thought we might have to. Now there's still going to be question marks. Luckily, I, I think a lot of it is going to be about depth and developing uh some of these younger players in the secondary. I, I think, again, scholarship counts get so funny 
uh, because of you know super seniors, because of some of these guys are on an NIL scholarship, which is a dollar figure amount uh, equivalent to a scholarship. So it's a little dicey to find everything. But I, I think we have uh, one spot open. Uh, I don't know if it'll get filled before spring, but we'll have some exits after spring ball. We, we always do. And the and the guys who leave in the spring probably aren't guys you want to lose. Now, I'm not I'm not trying to run anyone down who did leave, but Kamari Gaines, Jaron Lewis, TJ Smith, Connor Fox, Crew Jackson, Whit Mitchum, Cortez Crooks Jones, Ozzie Hoffler, Brendan Hawkins, Kingsley Ugwu, with the exception of TJ Smith, and that would have had to be in a depth situation. None of those guys were on anyone's projected too deep coming into 2023. And none of those guys were like super young guys that we were still hoping for a lot of development with and see a big jump forward or anything like that. So I think we have to sit back and be like, all right, you know, all things considered, uh, we didn't lose a lot in the portal. Now, I, I, I don't think there's any of that. Uh, I don't think there's anyone who could, a scholarship player who could leave in the portal in the spring where I would have that mood outside of maybe one of the quarterbacks not named Avery Johnson or Will Howard. But I think it says a lot about the culture and how this team has come together and how they all want to play for K-State and want to play for Chris Kleiman, that we haven't seen any of that. You know, I think we're probably the only team in the Big 12 who can say, hey, we didn't see anyone who we had plans for in 2023 transfer away. And what's even better are the guys that we have brought in. You know, at cornerback, we have Marquise Siegel from North Dakota State. Now, some folks might look at what he did at North Dakota State. You have that FCS qualifier on him and all that type of stuff. But remember, he's a guy, he was the first, first guy that we picked up in the transfer portal. This is a guy who Coach Klanderman, Coach uh, Kleiman, all of them, I mean, they, they know exactly what's going on in North Dakota. You really think that we would be taking in a guy from North Dakota State if he wasn't ready and able to play at this level? And then look at what they've been able to do taking FCS defensive backs and what they've turned them into. He's the one guy that doesn't have that pedigree, doesn't have that uh, flash behind him. But he's probably the guy I'm most sure about because of the track record this staff has had when it comes to FCS defensive backs. Now, the one that folks are probably most excited for, Trayshawn Ward, who actually has, I believe, four years of eligibility left, or maybe three years. But coming from Florida State, former four-star guy, able to be up over 1,300 all-purpose yards in his last two years combined. This guy is the perfect 
running back and the perfect offensive weapon to pair back there with DJ the Blue Jay Giddens. This one-two punch at running back, again, again, might be one of the best in the conference. And he's in for spring ball. And this was a highly competitive race for guys in the transfer portal. He might be, especially if you're looking at power five running backs, he might be one of the best power five running backs who made it into the portal, especially guys with multiple years of eligibility. The combination between Giddens and Ward are going to haunt Big 12 defenses for the next two to three years. The second one that we got, I'm going a little bit out of order. Keegan Johnson out of Iowa. We've already talked about him. Uh, He had a heated recruitment process. Just about, you know, everyone in the Big Ten wanted him. Had SEC offers. Had other Big 12 offers. This is a guy who was in the running for freshman of the year. At Iowa in the Big Ten. This is another one of... I mean, it's 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 another Julius Brents. I, I truly believe this is another guy who is going to come to K-State and thrive. And then end up being a, you know, a day two draft pick coming out of K-State. This guy, while not the same, he's not the same type of guy as... Malik Knowles, you know, different type of body. Um, but but he has the ability. He has the athletic gifts where you can give it to him on an end around. You can maybe get him involved in the return game. You can get him involved in all sorts of parts of the offense beyond just catching the ball. And I think you instantly pencil him in as a starter, as a wide receiver in this offense. And I think Coach Klein is going to have an absolute field day using him. And then the final one that we grabbed, and this this position was causing a lot of anxiety, and that is uh, Javon Banks from Mississippi State. He was one of the top recruits in the state of Mississippi uh, as a prep. He originally was recruited as a big defensive end. He grew into a defensive tackle, and he has two years of true production at the SEC level. Now, I don't think he ever started for them, or at least not outside of a one-off. Uh, he, he doesn't have a ton of uh, you know tackles for losses or sacks, but again, that's not what you look for in a nose guard. Now, is he going to be able to live up to the Eli Huggins uh, production and what he was able to give? Probably not. Probably not. Eli Huggins was the real deal. Eli Huggins might go down as one of the most underrated players in K-State football history. But he does give you that big-time football experience to couple with Uso, to couple with uh, Damian Ililiao, and I probably pronounced that wrong and I'm sorry, but Damian from Manhattan High, to help usher in some of these young nose guards and be that starter and be that guy to allow uh, more development. Be that guy to couple with Uso to 
take care of the 80 to 90 snaps that you're going to have game in, game out. That position takes a beating and finding someone to fill that role. I mean, everyone in America, every single college football team in America wants those types of guys. And it's not easy to find them. So being able to get him in, hopefully in for spring, hopefully uh, up and running and be that starter, or maybe he's not the starter. Maybe he's the guy who backs up Uso. But having two guys you can depend on in that spot is massive. And grabbing him kind of filled that last real need. Now, with that one position open, or or if anything else opens in the spring, where it is like super development type guys, you know, guys who, uh, you know, that you don't have to replace like for like as a starter, you know, there's going to be some wants, but there are no needs. You know, maybe we would want another corner, maybe we would want another safety, but we're in a position where you're going into spring ball not needing anything. And I don't know how often that really happens. Going in there saying, hey, yeah, for the most part, we know who our 22 to 26 starters are just based on different alignments. And for the most part, we have a pretty good idea who are backing up all these guys. And being able to be in that position in the spring to then really hone in on building the playbook really hone in on adding that next dimension versus having to have competition battles, having to figure out what you truly have at these different positions. That's going to allow them to be coaches first instead of having to spend their entire spring ball evaluating the 85 to 100 guys you have on the roster. And that is massive. Letting these guys do what they do best, and that is coach. That is develop. Because they've already done the hard work. They've already evaluated. They've already got the roster in place. So if if you get to go into spring ball, for the most part, again, there's always going to be a handful of competitions. There's going to be a handful of like unknowns. Like, okay, who's going to fill in behind the cornerbacks? Who's going to be the safety depth? You know, it happens, yes. But when you're able, when the majority of your coaches are able to spend spend the majority of spring ball developing instead of trying to figure out who slots where on the depth chart, that is where you're going to see guys take massive jumps. I'm pumped for it. That's all we have for this episode. Make sure to check out Manhattan Brewing Company No Quit IPA on sale now. Friday they have the Don't Fear the Dark uh, Dark Beer event. So many awesome stouts that are going to be on tap. Tonight, 8 p.m., ESPNU, K-State taking on Iowa State. I mean, who knows? If, if, we, if we pull that one off, I might have to uh, stay up late and record an emergency podcast. But, folks, uh, if anyone thought that last year was just a blip on the radar, radar when it comes to uh, K-State football and Big 12 play, I think they're going to be sorely disappointed Uh, I I think next year could still be a very special year as well. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, for all the Wildcats everywhere, we love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the first.
Podcast Network.